in the country. You must fight to survive. They were kicked out of their place because they were too religious. And the witch wanted to kill them. That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched The Witch. Or The Vivitch, if you want to be like that. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them, and today is not a special episode. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm all alone. Do I sing the song from Goofy Movie, or do I sing uh, the Oklahoma song from I'm Thinking of Ending Things? I'm awake. In a lonely room And the sun Flicks my eyes It was all a Pack of lies I'm awake Yeah <laughs> Boy But that's right, I'm doing The, the Witch uh, Isn't it a classic? I don't know It's like seven years old at this point I've done Sicario for the show I'm not going to police myself. I I saw The Northman recently, Robert Eggers' third film, and I was like, man, I just need to I just need to go watch The Witch. I just need to get it done. I'd never gotten around to watching it before. I remember when it was kind of uh, permeating the social movie sphere. People seem to really like it. Uh, now I know why, because it's good. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's as revered as it is because it is so slow. Uh, it doesn't really strike me as the kind of movie your typical, like, you know, young 20 somethings teenagers who are looking for like a fun horror slasher movie to like throw on and be spooked by. This really isn't kind of checking those boxes. There's a lot of weird, crazy shit that happens in it, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted to get around to seeing it and I figured I could do it for the show. Why not? Got to complete the Eggers trilogy, I guess, as it were, right now. I, I've already seen the, I'd seen the Lighthouse. I'd seen, I just saw The Northman, like, literally two days ago. And now I've seen The Witch. I did them in a weird order. But, hey, uh, I'm glad I did, because uh, I'm not going into ratings right off the bat, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely the kind of stuff that's up my alley. I love slow burn stuff. I was really impressed by this movie. It's funny, I was listening to... Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, that he does, uh, and he had Robert Eggers on, the director of The Witch, in case you're not familiar, and he just, he seems like a really solid dude, he's really humble, uh, you know, I think, having watched all of his stuff, he's an incredibly talented director, and he's obviously, he's just one of those guys where, I know people are, like, calling him, like, I bet he gets people telling him he's, like, a genius and super amazing all the time, and he doesn't seem like he's let any of that go to his head he's still very critical of himself and i was surprised because in that interview he basically says like yeah i can't even really watch the witch anymore because it's just like so i just i don't know i've grown so much as a filmmaker and i watch it and just kind of cringe i'm like oh that's so bad i would have done that differently now and stuff and i was like it kind of put me in a weird mindset to go watch it i almost expected it to be a little worse than it is but no i thought it was tremendous um I don't know. I guess from a directorial standpoint, I think it's really solid, but I could see maybe, I, I feel like I can kind of understand maybe what he's trying to say, but I think we're all just so critical of our own work and no one's going to notice mistakes in art the way that the artist is going to notice. It's just, that's just the case. Like there's things that only you see that nobody else sees and it's impossible to engage with your own material after a while because you're too close to it. You're you're not going to feel the things that you're supposed to feel anymore once you've edited the movie and seen all the emotional beats like 60,000 times. Like, you know, he doesn't, I, I watched the scenes for the first time, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, where's this going? And, oh, this family dynamic's so crazy. And I'm sure it, it, it's just interesting as a filmmaker myself, and I don't mean to <laughs> definitely in no way, shape or form and throwing myself in the same basket as Robert Eggers or anything like that. But I understand what he's saying in the sense that, uh, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done that differently. But it's like, once you get far enough down the road, you just kind of have to trust that you knew what you were doing at the time and hope that your instincts were right. Because 
none of the stuff is going to, at least in my case, like say right now I'm in the middle of like finishing up editing this like comedy thing that I shot. Right. And the jokes like aren't making me laugh anymore. Really? Like I still chuckle like, Oh yeah, that's a funny bit. I really like how, you know, that actor delivers that or whatever. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm not like laughing out loud when I watch it anymore. But I, I showed it to somebody for the first time pretty recently and they were laughing out loud. So I was just like, I guess I just, I really need to trust that my instincts when I wrote the jokes and filmed it were at least somewhat right. And that when people are watching this for the first time, they will think it's funny. Uh, you know, and I just, I can't help but wonder if, if what he's kind of getting at, because I just, I found the movie very good and very effective. I just wonder if it's kind of like, he's too far down the road at this point. He just can't really see it from an objective standpoint anymore. And I've always said, there's really no such thing as true objectivity anyway, especially when it comes to art. But I mean, you could find someone who thinks like a film that's like 90 minutes of a glass of water with some music underneath it to be like this stirring art piece. Uh, and that's obviously not going to affect people the same way <laughs> but you'll always find like the one guy out there that is affected by it so you know i just i think it's hard to be objective about art i mean there's technical things obviously like lighting and camera work again but even that's like it just depends on what you're going for maybe you want the shots to be super bright and blown out and maybe you want the audio to be bass boosted messed up because you're commenting on like internet memes and stuff like that. So it's like, it's just, I don't know. Don't know why I'm on this rant. I guess I'm just saying that going into the witch, I had simultaneously pretty high expectations given how popular this movie is, at least in terms of like filmmaking, uh, like, like the film circles, essentially like people that pursue like the more artistic side of cinema. I think the witch is a pretty household name at this point. And, you know, even people like my family, like, I think my sister's, like, seen the movie, so it obviously permeated uh, pop culture as well. It's also kind of our first introduction to Anya Taylor-Joy, who's definitely, I think, become one of the biggest stars that we have right now. I think she's pretty famous, understandably so. She's probably one of my favorite working actors, so there's a lot of interesting things going for it, but I also was like, listening to that interview tempered my expectations just a little bit, but I always find that to be a good thing. I kind of like going into a movie with not sure or like even low expectations because there's a better chance of it exceeding that than the most nervous I am is when I go into a theater expecting it to blow me away because that just seems like such a huge ask and you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, So I don't know, but yeah, the witch, I watched it and it was good. It was really good. Um, I'd, I'd say like, just to give like a quick rundown of me and Eggers, I would say, you know, I saw the lighthouse when it first came out because there was so much buzz around it and I liked it a lot. And then the more I thought about it, the more it kind of felt, I remember when I made my best of the year list that year, it was really high on the list. And it kind of, when I reevaluated that list, it kind of fell down a ways because I just, I don't know. It didn't stick with me in a way. I I've I found too that a lot of people have similar opinions about it where it's just like, uh, ironically, uh, from an objective standpoint, it's like this really technically well-made film, but it's not even like, when I say objective, I don't mean in the sense that it's objectively a perfect film or anything like that. What I really mean by that is watching that movie, you just get this sense that it's exactly what Eggers pictured in his mind and he's actually said as much. So I feel pretty confident saying this that he achieved exactly what he set out to achieve it feels so specific and of such a vision that you're just like you can't help but admire it that being said like the themes and stuff in the movie aren't really like the the kind of stuff i'm normally interested in it's a great movie and i know a lot of people really really love it uh and a lot of people even the people that don't like it kind of just go yeah but it is really well made and defoe and pattinson are really good in it and so it's yeah, but, um, and then, you know, I, like I said, I saw the Northman, uh, this past weekend and it was really good. Uh, it didn't completely blow me away, but it was just a fun time. Reminded me a lot of going and seeing the green Knight to, in a weird way, even though this is actually a lot more action heavy than that film was, but it's just so well-crafted. It's just, I don't know. It just feels good to watch movies when you're just like the director and the cinematographer and everybody is just 
firing on all cylinders. The acting is always so good. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's so, it was like surprisingly subtle. Like it's such a straightforward story, but there's so many layers and there's so many things going on in the background. And there's so much you could grab onto in the sense that there's so many rituals you see and none of it's explained and it's fine. It works. It's like throws you into the chaos and you're just like watching it go down. But if you wanted to, you could look up what was going on or research it. Like I listened to that interview and there's like a part where it's like, oh, so-and-so is being sacrificed because this was like a belief they have. They don't explain that. You just see this woman singing at this funeral and then something happens and you're like, whoa, okay, what? Uh, it, it's it, it's up to you if you want to like go check that out. But it's it doesn't like make you feel lost or anything. You just are like, wow, this culture is crazy. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed the film. I thought everybody was great. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicole Kidman are two of my favorite actors and they were, of course, amazing. I heard that some people complained that Anya Taylor-Joy wasn't in the movie enough. I think she, I'd say just a real quick, like one of my only like big things with the Northman and something that could possibly be alleviated as like with a rewatch. She has this line in the movie where she's just like, you're super strong and you can beat people down. and I'm really smart and I know how to get in people's minds and stuff like that. And it's just the movie's so subtle that I feel like it was maybe, I bet there was more going on there than I give it credit for, but I really expected her not in a minor, the minorest of spoilers for the Northmen skip ahead a couple seconds if you don't want to hear it. But like, I just expected her to come up with more plans and do more. But again, I feel like if I rewatched it, I'd see that she was actually like subtly doing things and that I wasn't picking up on. And she is actually, I just wanted to see her be more clever and kind of back up those claims, but she's great. Skarsgård is, uh, and the movie is like a little bit funnier than you would think it is. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a really good time. I'm actually excited to watch it again. Uh, highly recommend this episode's like literally coming out in a few hours. So, uh, thankfully the Northman's still playing. I would love for people to go support it. The budget was way bigger than anything Eggers has ever worked with. I honestly can't believe he got it, and it's pretty depressing because it's definitely looking like it's not going to make its money back, which is a real shame because even though it is weird and it has a lot of the hallmarks that he has in a lot of his films, it's definitely his most accessible movie. I could see most people watching it and getting at least a little bit of a kick out of it. Uh, it's it's I mean it's a, it's just a classic revenge tale. It's like inspired by a myth that maybe inspired hamlet it's just a classic shakespearean revenge story there's not as much action as maybe the trailers would lead you to believe but there's enough in there to grab onto. i think almost anybody could get a kick out of it i don't know why i mean it's doing okay but it should be doing better in my opinion but it is what it is he said that he's not terribly interested in working on something quite that massive again so I'm not like crushed that he's not going to just always get million, a hundred million dollar budgets for stuff, but the movie should be doing better. It's good. So please go support it. If you can, I would, uh, I know that it sometimes doesn't feel like a lot, but it, it's just helpful, you know, spread the word, tell people it's good, get your friends together. And then that brings us to the witch, his first movie, which I watched last. And if you were to ask me what my rankings are at this very moment, I would say number three is The Lighthouse, which again, I liked well enough, but hasn't really stuck with me. Number two would be The Northman, I think. I really, really liked it, but I think I like The Witch better. I wouldn't say all the movies are very comparable. They're all such different vibes. It's, it's hard to describe because they all very much feel like his movies, but just the subject matter and what's going on, they're, they're very different. You know, the witch is a very slow burn horror movie. The lighthouse is, I don't even know what it is. It's like a dark comedy kind of horror, but more like a psychological thriller locked room situation. And then the Northman is like a true fantasy Epic Viking Epic. Uh, and it leans into that hard, you know, it's, it's got little hallmark. He's got little tropes that pop up in his movies and you see him again and it feels like his movies, but 
they're very different. I think he's got something for a lot of different people if they're interested in his work for sure. But I think that brings us to the witch. Like, let's just let's dive in. I, I don't really do preconceived notions anymore. So, uh, all I'll say is I surprisingly have had very little of the movie spoiled for me. I it was another movie where I just was like, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's really exciting for a first time watch. So yeah, I mean, I'd heard the memes like black Phillip. There's a couple things that happened when I was like, that I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like I like the, one of the last lines in the movie is like the most memed line of the movie where it's like, would you like to live deliciously? Like I was like, Oh, I've heard that line for sure before, but you know, without the context doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So yeah, I, I didn't really know a whole lot going into it. And that was exciting. I just, that Anya Taylor-Joy was in it, and that was about it. Uh, so, yeah. So right off the bat, I really love the way this movie opens. It doesn't fuck around at all. It's just like, there's a town hall meeting, and the father of this family, you'll come to find that his name is William. They're just basically like, I guess, to get this off the, the plate right off the bat, they all do old-timey, uh, yield English speak. Like, Robert Eggers is like very devout when it comes to having period accurate like speak speech i guess and dialogue in his films he's three for three on that in the witch they do new england stuff where they kind of have english accents and just the way they talk a lot of thou and it's like thou shalt tell me what thy knows and stuff like that and in the lighthouse he heavily researched how those guys talk back then same deal with the northmen they've all got their whatever their Viking accents are from uh, the 800s, I think is when that movie takes place. But so this, yeah, so it's like thou blah blah blah. You're religious. Basically, we find out that William thinks that this town is lame when it comes to how they worship, how they pr- do their Christianity or whatever. Small little diatribe where he's like, "Y'all aren't hardcore enough for me." And the town's basically like, "All right, if you're gonna be like this, then you're gone." So it's just like, I feel like a, a lesser movie or not even a lesser movie, but a different movie would have, it would have spent like 10 minutes with his family in the town, figuring out what their deal was. But no, it's just like hard cut. They're being kicked out of town. You already know everything you need to know about the family by the way they're standing there again, man. I'm so impressed with this movie because it gets so much done with body language and looks because we're mostly focused on Anya Taylor-Joy's character, whose name is uh, Thomason in the movie. And she looks uncomfortable, and you can tell she's not super excited that they're being kicked out of town, but she still is like supporting her family. The rest of the family seems like, yes, dad is right. Uh, William's very proud, you know, which some people would say is a sin, which is, I mean, it's a big factor in the movie how hypocritical it turns out William is. But it's pretty funny to see this version of like, you almost expect people to be rebels in the sense that they're like, we're not going to conform to your Christian standards. And I guess I should also say, like, I don't know specifically what the religion they're practicing in the movie is. I, I've heard like the word Puritan thrown around a lot. I'm just, it's just like they seem to worship God and Jesus, uh, which just seems like pretty classic Christian stuff to me. So just going to go with Christianity for the most part. But instead of like them being like rebels against the church, they're like, you aren't hardcore enough. It's just kind of a funny angle. So they're kicked out of town. They got to go make for themselves. And so, and it just all happens so fast. And you just get the shot of the wagon moving away. And Thomason's just like, shit. But so we kind of cut in on the family. They've sort of set up a little weird life for themselves. They're on the fringes next to these woods. They have like a cottage and they're trying to grow corn and stuff. And they have some farm animals and stuff. It's seems like it's going okay, but not super great. And we'll find later that it's really not going very great. I mean, this whole movie is just this downward slide. The whole family is the the family is William is the dad, Catherine is the mom, Thomason is the oldest daughter, Caleb is uh sort of the next oldest sibling. He's a son. There's twins named Jonas and Mercy. And then there's a new baby, I believe, named Samuel. Yeah, Sam. And so that's the that's our family. The mom hands the baby Sam over to Thomason to just watch the baby. Uh, for some reason, Thomason takes the baby out 
like by a hill. I don't know why. I guess plot reasons. <laughs> but uh, this is like one other thing I kind of knew about the movie was the peekaboo scene. So I saw it coming kind of. She's playing peekaboo with the baby. And then one time when she opens her eyes, the baby's just fucking gone. And she understandably freaks out. Uh, this was like a big sticking point for me, just in terms of logic in the movie. Is it happens so fast. It's like, and she, the where she's at, she's just in like kind of the middle of a field. So her hiding her eyes for like four seconds and then looking in the baby being completely gone and nothing in sight is like almost like clear supernatural shit. Like I get in the moment you'd be panicked and you wouldn't be putting those pieces together. And even if, it, even if this literally happened to me, I wouldn't immediately be like, well, it had to be like a witch or something, but it is. I just remember thinking the whole time being like, I just remember being like, I probably would not let that go. I would bring it up like every chance I could be like, I closed my eyes for two seconds and it was gone. Uh, so it's funny because they don't spend a lot of time being like, it's all your fault that the baby's gone. Cause the movie's actually more subtle than that. It just kind of bubbles underneath the surface in every interaction that Catherine and Thomason have throughout the movie where you can tell Catherine's very spiteful that Thomason lost the baby, but she doesn't bring it up that often. Uh, but it's there. And, and it's just, again, it's part of why the movie's so good is because it, it is trusting you to pick up on that. And it's not just hammering you in the face with everything obvious. Like all these characters are very repressed. They're very devout in their religion. They keep everything deep inside. So it's like, yeah, you lost the baby, but kind of is what it is. So I'll just cry and pray and stuff. But, you know, the mom is understandably upset. Uh, we get a crazy ass sequence where we see this, like, I guess, older woman. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. She's like, got the baby. She's caressing it. Uh, I as far as I can tell, it seems that she like cuts it open and bathes in its blood. At least that seems to be what's being implied. Could be wrong. It's all very dark, uh, but not in a way that's like, like it purposely is like, oh, you can't quite tell all what's happening, but it's also like, yeah, you don't really want to sit here and watch a baby be eviscerated. So I guess that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, uh, and an another thing with this movie is like the movie kind of, by the end of it, I feel like the movie is playing things in a way that the text of the movie is that, yes, supernatural things are happening. So in what, I, what I mean by that is like within the confines of the movie, the witches are real. Black Phillip is the devil. All this crazy shit is actually happening. But I do find it all to be, you know, I take it more as a metaphor, but it's not a metaphor in the movie. I think within the actual text of the movie, the baby has been kidnapped and sacrificed uh, in some kind of witch ritual, which is kind of fascinating. That was another thing I was looking forward to figuring out with this movie was how it handles like the idea of the witches, because I'd heard it's like has like a mildly like feminist viewpoint, uh, and that's something I'd love to talk about with the Northman at some point too. Is that there is this weird undercurrent of like feminist undercurrent of that movie too in a weird way. You know, it's like, I don't really know how to what to make of if the witch did steal a baby and sacrifice it. It's like, that's pretty fucked up. It's kind of hard to be on the witch's side at that point, even if they were being, like, persecuted and stuff like that. So, it's tough. It's it's all very murky, and in a good way, for sure. But, I, you know, I think the witch stuff is also very metaphorical, with, you know, big spoilers for the end of the movie, with the end of it being Anya Taylor-Joy kind of becoming a witch, too. It, starts to read a lot like maybe like a sort of like a coming of age like puberty tale in a weird way or uh you know embracing your womanhood or taking power in a weird way like i remember joking to my like as i was like alone like thinking uh to myself i guess i'm joking to myself i don't know how to phrase that but i was like oh man is this another entry in the good for her cinema where uh thomason was in this terrible repressed family and now she's like about gonna become a powerful witch like the witches are pretty crazy in this one too, so it's 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 interesting. There's a a lot of layers and gray areas to it again in a way that I actually really like. But I, I think poor little Sam is dead. Uh, poor R.I.P. Sam. <laughs> but the mom is the mom is devastated by this. We when we every time we check in with her for a while, she's just like crying and praying and stuff. And again, 
the religion is a major factor in this film. All the characters have either been raised or are very devout. And again, remember that they were so religious that they got kicked out of their village. So it's like this hardcore, you are born with sin and you are a sinner and you spend your entire life trying to make up for the fact that you exist in God's eyes and stuff like that. It's it's like a big point of contention because, you know, in the scene that's coming up, uh, we get introduced to Caleb, who I guess I'll just take this time now to maybe talk about the cast a little bit. Anya Taylor-Joy, obviously a revelation, obviously fantastic. And as the movie goes on, she has to do so much with just her facial expressions. that it's like She's just so good. Everyone knows she's good, but God damn it, she's so good. But Williamson, or I keep wanting to call him Williamson, but I think it's just William. Uh, yeah, he he's played because he's played by Ralph Ineson or whatever, who seems to have been in most of Edgar's movies as well. Also was in the Green Knight and the Green Knight. I thought that was funny. Uh, and also Kate Dickey, who plays Catherine, was also in the Green Knight. Just it was, it was just weird looking at their resumes and be like, oh, it's funny. I was thinking so much about the Green Knight when also these people were in the Green Knight. Parents are great. They're turning in great performances. The twins are spooky and they do what they need to do. Uh, the baby's a baby. <laughs> but uh, something I feel like I don't hear people talk about enough is the kid that plays Caleb, who has a great name, Harvey Scrimshaw. He is fucking phenomenal in this movie. And from what I can tell, I did a little bit of research on him because I was like, why haven't I seen this guy in everything? He's only been in like two other movies. And when I looked him up, he was promoting like some performance of Hamlet. And I, I kind of got that feeling. I was like, I think this is like a theater guy, maybe, but I don't know, man. I wish he would do more movies because he was so good in this. Like, child performances can always be so tricky, but he's, man, like, I, I remember being like, I came for Anya Taylor Joy in this movie, but I'm like staying for Harvey Scrimshaw. Uh, he's like, ah, man, he's so good. I just, I, I wish. I just want to put it out there that I think he's so phenomenal in the film. And I seems like a shame that I don't feel like I hear people talk that much uh, about him in the movie. Cause I mean, you know, Anya Taylor joy became a star. So of course that's the big focal point. Eggers is like becoming like a pretty well-known director deservedly. So, but I feel like lost in the shovel is uh Harvey Scrimshaw's like, and he's like, he seems like he's like 13 years old or something in the movie. And, I don't know. He's pretty fucking good. Like he's got just as much to do as, as Anya Taylor joy until, you know, spoilers for the movie again, <laughs> uh, he eats it, but he's good. I was very compelled by him. I remember at one point being like, Oh, is he like more the main character of this film? But towards the back half, I think we do kind of shift back to Thomason's perspective for the most part. But yeah, William actually grabs Caleb and he's like, all right, we're going into the woods or whatever. Caleb's like, uh, I don't think we're supposed to. And he's like, well, I said we should. And, you know, we find out their crops are failing. So William's like, we're gonna have to hunt for food. We're going to survive this winter. By God, we're going to do it. Uh, and again, like, they're not talking a lot about the fact that their baby <laughs> has disappeared, but it does like it hangs over everything in a good way where it's, it's you know, it, this it's the 1600s classic frontier shit where these families would have like seven kids because it's like, well, you know, probably three of them are going to die to like rickets. And I don't know why I'm giving a, a Southern accent, but it's like, you know, life expectancy back in the day was not super solid. Uh, so there's even a moment later in the movie where William's like, he's like, well, God never took any of our other kids. You know, we almost should have expected this to happen, which is like very dark. But I was like, you know, again, the movie's great in the sense that it's like what the characters are saying, but what they're actually feeling aren't necessarily the same thing. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't think William's like, yeah, it's just, it's funny watching William who's like our introduction to him is he's so devout, so devout that his entire family and proud that his family was kicked out of their village. But then he has all these shortcomings and they all come like you find out that he stole his wife's cup and sold it for this trap and he's lying. And you know, they're out here hunting when they're not supposed to be. He took the kid with him when he really shouldn't have, you know, and he's trying to school Caleb, like telling Caleb, you were born in sin. You need to, atone with your life caleb kind of goes like does that mean the baby is baby sam well like he's in hell or something and the dad is just like so he's so hardcore instead of just being like telling your kid like no 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 he's just a baby he'll go to heaven he's just kind of like 
I can't answer that. I mean, I hope maybe they let him in, but they might not. So it just is what it is. And you're just like, Jesus, this is dark. Uh, but turns out nothing's in the trap. Uh, we see this rabbit show, show up, this reoccurring rabbit seems to be probably one of the witches kind of taunting them. They have this musket. They try to fire it. I thought this was going to be way more of a factor in the movie, but the gun like blows up in William's face. And I thought he was going to like lose an eye or something, but it doesn't really factor into the movie much. They just, they don't get the rabbit and runs off real. At some point I, I noted this down that we check back in at the farm and Thomason's like collecting eggs from the chickens. And she like drops one of them and there's like a, like a dead, uh, baby chicken in the egg which is like it's like super grotesque and stuff but it's also like really good uh oh shit there's weird shit afoot moment because it's like they just have the chickens presumably they don't have a rooster because they don't want the eggs being like fertilized or whatever they want the eggs for food so it's like why the fuck does this chicken have a chicken egg in it it's just this really brief shot and i was like oh that's pretty cool i like that actually we come back with the twins. We meet them, Jonas and Mercy. They're creepy. Uh, they're weird. You never really fully find out what their deal is. I, I, it's never confirmed whether they're just dumb kids or if they did make a pact with the devil because they actually disappear by the end of the movie. I don't know what happened to them. Maybe I should do a rewatch because maybe there was something happening in the shed in the dark that I wasn't picking up on. But I like the ambiguity of it. I also just like that everything they do, they could be demonic little children. But they're also just kids who don't really understand the gravity of the situation that they're in, who could just be fucking around. So I like that ambiguity and the push and pull of it. They're, they're sufficiently creepy. I think Mercy gets a little more screen time, but she's like singing a song about Black Philip. They have this black goat, uh, you know, pretty evil looking goat with the big horns. Turns out to be a pretty big factor towards the end of the movie, but she's singing a song about Black Philip and. Thomason doesn't super like it, but there's not a whole lot she can do about it. So we we meet, we meet Black Phillip and the twins. We establish them a little bit more. Uh, Caleb and William come back. William's all muddy because he fell down and shit. Uh, I said actually, I think he comes back and he's like, "Why the fuck is Black Phillip just running around?" Tries to throw him in the pen, gets like thrown down, gets muddy. So we get this really interesting sequence of events here. Again, like I really like the subtlety of the character stuff that's going on because when Caleb was like waking up to go hunting with his dad, we had this weird shot of him like staring at Thomason. He sees like a little bit of her like chest, and it's very much like, oh, he's a he's a boy hitting puberty and he's having feelings, and the also classic horror movie stuff of like throwing like just a little dash of incest just to creep people out. But it's also, it's just funny because it's like, well, I mean, they're alone. It's just them on the farm and like, he's noticing things. It's like, uh, I, I'm kind of glad because it never takes it too far. I, I was like half expecting him to like make a move on her at some point. I was like, uh, that's going to be really uncomfortable when it happens. It never does, thankfully. But I, I only mention it because it kind of rolls into, it's kind of like a reoccurring theme through the movie is that. And again, it kind of speaks to the coming of age, puberty, womanhood themes of the movie, because like the thing I found the most notable about this, well, there's two big things that happen in this scene. Catherine is grilling William, like, why the fuck did you take him out? You weren't supposed to do that. Caleb steps up and lies and goes like, I saw like some apples and I, I just, I wanted to show him I was wrong. And the dad lets him lie, which you're just like, oh man, this like super devout guy is like letting his child fucking take the brunt of the wife's like anger which is just like you're like william what the fuck uh and then there's like a moment where Catherine tells thomason to help the dad off with the shirt and it really makes a meal out of this moment i remember being like what the fuck is happening but you see caleb watching this exchange and he's like a little bit jealous that thomason's like helping the dad and then you see the wife watching it and she seems weirded out by it too and like the only innocent person, like, like Thomas is not doing anything. And the dad, I don't think thinks anything of it, but the mom and the son are both like, ugh. and again, it factors into the movie later. Cause like, again, cannot stress enough. There's spoilers for this movie, but when the mom attacks Thomas and towards the end of the movie, she starts being like, you slut, 
you took away my son and, and my husband and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, Thomason didn't do anything. She wasn't trying to fucking do anything. And yet, like, she's being accused of this just for existing again, which I find to be like a really interesting, like feminist bent to the movie that I really enjoyed. I, I, and it, it, it's, I don't know, I liked it. But, and so that's why I just wanted to call attention to the shirt removal scene, <laughs> which I think leads to like, we see William like chopping wood and stuff. A lot of scenes of William chopping wood shirtless, fun stuff. But send Thomason out to to wash dad's clothes. Send Caleb to collect some water. They have like a little exchange. Again, this is where I thought things were going to get a little bit creepy. But thankfully, it's just kind of like Thomason seems to genuinely love Caleb. And like they talk and he's really just, you know, he's pretty disturbed by everything that's happened. Like, you know, his baby brother's missing and stuff. And so she tries to comfort him, tickles him. He starts to tickle her back. I was like, no, no, no. Thankfully, it doesn't take too much of a turn. They hear a rustle. It's Mercy. She shows up and claims she's a witch. And then Thomason turns the tables and starts being like, I'm the witch. I will fuck your shit up. And Caleb's just trying to tell her not to do it. But again, it's like, I love this stuff because it's just, it's so well written in the sense that it feels like kids being kids, like telling each other tales and fucking around with each other. And they're so emotional. Thomason's annoyed that she was scared. She's kind of like, I hate this, my this little brat she's being such a turd and i think she like accuses you know brings up the fact that thomason lost sam and stuff so thomason gets mad and starts being like i will eat your flesh and i'll fuck your shit up and blah 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 and uh, mercy runs away and caleb's like what the fuck why did you do that thomason's like "Better not tell anybody again it's like sibling shit it's, it's just really well done uh you can definitely see that uh eggers had like he said like he had younger brothers who are twins and you can kind of feel him pulling from that i weirdly was getting like very slight like tree of life vibes at times in this movie just in terms of the sibling relationships and the family dynamic it's it's a weird comparison to make maybe but i just was maybe because i watched it so recently i just i kind of felt it there it was interesting but yeah thomason says she's the witch which is kind of kind of factor into the movie later i think factors into like the themes of the movie too the family has a pretty uncomfortable dinner. The mom's obviously very spiteful of Thomas, and she's mad that she lost her kid. There's a lot going on. The mom is is a really interesting character in the movie in the sense that she finally gets a monologue like later in the movie where she gets to really express herself, but uh, it's funny watching it for the first time because I do think there's a lot of depth to her character, but she's also just this presence in the movie that you just you can't help but be like, ah, fuck you, though. Like, what the fuck? Nobody did anything wrong, and Williams. What happens is she starts accusing Thomason of uh, having lost her cup, the cup that we found out in an earlier scene that William sold so that they could get the trap and other things. And again, like William tries to be like, she didn't do it. I don't think she did it. Stop asking her. But he doesn't step up and like take the blame. And you're just like, William, what the fuck, dude? Like it's just so rough. But later that night. William and Kate are talking. Things are not going well. They don't got animals to eat. They got no crops. And the mom starts pushing, like, Thomason's old enough. We can, like, sell her to a family as, like, a servant. And we should do that. The house is so small. All the kids are just sitting there listening to this happen. And it's just, like, it's super fucked up. But the dad, like, the power dynamics in the movie are are what make it so interesting. Because, like, the dad's, like, so devout. And he's the one that got his family kicked out of the village. And Maybe it's because of his sense of guilt for bringing his family out here that he so ends up being so deferential to Kate and stuff like that. But he basically is just, or Catherine, I said Kate, the name of the actor, but he kind of relents and just goes, fine, okay, well, I'll take Thomas into town and I'll, I'll give her to a family and shit and we'll sell some shit. It's fine. Uh, Caleb is a little shook up by this. Obviously, Thomason is too. So the next day, Caleb's like, I'm going to go get us some food. Uh, Thomason catches him leaving and goes, you're taking me with you. So they go on like a little mini adventure. It starts off kind of nice. They're having like a conversation. She's asking him if he remembers like glass and stuff. It's like, it's like a fun thing, like sibling stuff. The trap has caught something. So they managed to nab some food, but then the rabbit shows up again and everything goes fucking sideways. Like Caleb tries to shoot it. It doesn't work. The horse goes nuts and bucks Thomason off. And so, 
Thomason gets knocked out for a while. Caleb disappears. Thomason wanders back, but Caleb's missing now. And it's like, Caleb finds the dog. The dog's dead. And everything's just like fucked. The family's like searching everywhere for Thomason and Caleb. They find Thomason, but Caleb's still missing. We check in with Caleb, and he comes to this uh, little hut, and there's like some kind of sexy woman there. Is she the old woman in a younger form? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, uh, again, it's like, uh, I appreciate the movie for like pushing the boundaries in the way. I, I, I'll just say this about the scene. I was pretty shocked when they fully kissed. I was like, I don't even know legally how you do something like that, what the rules are. Reminded me a little bit of watching Birth. Uh, if you guys remember my episode on that with Nicole Kidman and uh, who thinks a 10-year-old kid is like her husband or whatever. <laughs> it's a great movie. You should check it out. But I just was like, oh, man. like It's like, I get it, man. She's like super sexy, Caleb, and you've got a lot of feelings. But this is like so clearly a witch. What are you doing? And he like gets lured in, and she grabs his head and pulls him in for a kiss. And you see it. I was like, wow. I can't believe they show that. It's it's pretty crazy. Like I again, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess if Tom Brady can kiss kids, so can they can do it in a movie. Such a terrible joke. Such a terrible joke. <laughs> I, I just was surprised. I was really taken aback. But poor Caleb, he gets he gets pulled in by the wicked witch. Uh, super sexy boobs popping out with that bustier witch. Don't blame you, Caleb. But damn it. <laughs> but William and, Ka- and Catherine start arguing. They don't know where Caleb is. Uh, they've lost two sons in like the span of a week. Everything's fucked up. Uh, Catherine's convinced there's witchcraft afoot. They're like, no, it was like a wolf, and, and it's just like a thing. William finally steps up and goes, hey, I sold your cup. Like, I'm sorry. It's a really sad moment, too, because they're in bed, and Catherine's like, I, my cup's gone. And William's like, damn your fucking cup. I don't give a shit about your cup. And she's like, we could have sold it. And then William was just like, oh, man. Oh, it was like, that was like a real, like weird check mark in Catherine. I was like, oh man, she's not even mad because it was sentimental. She just was like, oh, that was valuable. And we could have like sold it for some money. And you're just like, fuck, that's, that's really sad. Just like, again, the characters are very complex, uh, in, in a great way, but not too much time passes though, before, uh, Thomason's like trying really hard to like get her mom to not hate her guts. She's trying to take care of everything, even though everything's fucked up. So she like agrees to go tend to the goats, but while she's out there, Caleb just shows up again, like butt naked. Thomason finds him and brings him back, but Caleb's in like an absolute stupor. So they've got him lied down, but they they don't know what's wrong with him. Like some real like borderline exorcism shit. Uh, he just he seems possessed and cold and fucked up. He's got wounds on him. The mom's like, "This is witchcraft. This is fucked up." Uh, the dad's like, "It's it's fine. It's just yeah, whatever. We'll." They're arguing about whether to go back to town. All sorts of stuff's going on. At some point, there, Thomason's out there with the twins, with the goats, and we get this like scene where she's trying to talk to the twins. Like, do you really talk to Black Philip? And like, what the fuck's going on there? And she's like milking one of the goats, and like blood comes out, and you're like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> just everything's everything's just going south for this family. They're they're they've been like cursed, and and like that's another interesting theme of the movie where I I, I don't necessarily know what they're trying to say where. You have this very puritanical, devout family, and they're just being terrorized, essentially. Everything's falling apart. The kids are dropping like flies. Crops are going bad. And it's just interesting because it's like, uh, you know, in that interview, Eggers talked about how he doesn't really write movies with themes in mind. And so, but he also had a really interesting tangent where he talks about growing up in a very uh, secular household and his views on religion are very interesting in the sense that it feels like he's searching for something, but also feels pretty confident that like, there's not a lot out there. So, but there's like religious themes in a lot of his movies. And so it's like, he's searching for something. So I don't, you know, he said like with the witch, he had the church of Satan reach out to him and be like, good one, bro. But then he had like very devout Christians reach out to him and be like, good one, bro. Like Satanism's bad. And like he kind of likes that because he feels like, yeah, my movie's like complex and gray enough that Christians and Satanists alike both can dig on it in a weird way. So it's 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 hard to tell. It's like you have this very, but it's like, are they being punished because they weren't devout enough? Because like Williams is a super hypocrite, and it, and 
as the movie wears on, you realize they're all doing bad shit. Except kind of for Thomason. She never really does anything bad. Uh, but William's a liar and a hypocrite and take lets kids take heat for him. Catherine has like fully lost her faith. Caleb has hit puberty and he's like lusting after his own sister in a weird way. The twins have maybe made a deal with the devil goat. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, I'm not here to say like one way or the other uh what the movie's trying to say, I guess, about religion. I like that it's all there though for you to interpret and i think it's really well done and and you do feel bad because you know as someone who's watching this movie who's not very devout uh not super big into religion these days and i also think like there's some merits to it you know i i I, i'm down with people that find comfort in it but I, i i despise people that use it as a tool for discrimination and judging people and so you know, like there's moments like, well, your baby brother died and he's probably in hell. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like, why are you using religion like this? Like, is this like, like think for yourself as a person, you know, I still really appreciate like the layers that the movie's going through where they, they do believe in God and they're very devout, but it's also like it's being put to the test and they're being punished. And I don't know, I don't really have, I guess, an opinion one way or the other. I just find it interesting to examine I suppose, you know, and it's also like as someone who is actually very interested in like the Salem witch trials and this time period, like you're talking about a time period where women like in real life, <laughs> like in this movie, obviously there is some like supernatural stuff that's going on, but in real life, women were just being put to death for no reason. Lots of women like burned and drowned and crazy shit. And so my instinct is to be like, fuck you for doing that. Fuck you, puritanical fucks. You just killed dozens, if not hundreds, probably thousands of innocent women because they were collecting mushrooms or they weren't marrying dudes. You know, so my instinct is to be on the witch's side. And I like that the movie kind of plays with that thing. And I feel like it kind of knows that going in. It's just just interesting because, but, but then I do end up feeling empathy for William. I'm like, I get it, man. Like, it's hard. It's hard to take the blame for stuff. You do. I get feeling guilty. I get feeling like, ah, everything I do makes me feel like a piece of shit. Like even Caleb is like, ah, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. I just want to be a good boy. And it's just like, but I have all these like feelings and emotions. I can't put a cap on. And just, I love the way this movie captures all of that. It's just, yeah, it's so well done. It's, It's really so well done. Truly. Uh, but unfortunately, Caleb is all fucked up. We finally get a little more depth into Catherine. She gets a big monologue about how she had this dream or this vision that she was near Christ and she never felt so good in her life. And it's the she just loves being devout to God, but lately all of that's gone away and she feels like blasphemous. It just there's a lot going on. It's a great monologue. It's like it's the monologue where you're like, okay, this is why she signed up for this. Like. Uh, good meaty monologue. Uh, insane scene where Caleb wakes up for a minute and something's like in his mouth. He spits up an apple. Uh, classic Adam and Eve imagery there for sure. It's also just like gross and weird. Um, this is where the family kind of starts turning on each other. Like the twins run in and the mom and the, and the twins are both like, Thomason, you're a fucking witch. And the twins are like, she told us she's a witch. She told us she's a, she's a fucking witch. And the mom is ready to accused Thomason. She's already got a bit of an axe to grind against her. Thomason's like, I'm not a fucking witch. I didn't do anything. But it's just like, she's trying to deny it. it it's tough. It, they're all turning on each other. And again, it's like, I just like the the level this movie's operating on in the sense that text-wise it all makes sense, but also metaphorically just seeing a family turn on each other, it's so sad but interesting. And you and you And you see the family dynamics and you kind of understand why it's just, it's pretty crazy, but Caleb wakes up for a moment. Seems like maybe he's going to be okay. Gives this huge, like, final, like, Christ is in me. He loves me. He's here. Blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm like, just like Harvey Scrimshaw, A+. plus. <laughs> but that's also the end for Caleb. He lays back down after his big monologue and dies. And you're just like, what? Catherine starts crying. William wanders out at some point during all this crazy shit. They were like trying to pray and the twins like pass out. They're like, she's possessing us. She's got us. Thomason's got, and then 
pass out. Uh, I was laughing at that book because I remember thinking like, oh, these little shits are like faking it. And then like later in the movie, it kind of like confirms it. It's, it's pretty funny. But William walks out. Thomason walks out. They have this interesting exchange where he's like holding her because she's crying. He starts monologuing about how, how the tree was going to be beautiful. And then he finally just goes like, so you're, you're like a witch though, right? And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I mean, it makes sense. You're like a witch. This is why all this shit's happening. And you were around when all the bad shit was happening. And she's just like, I'm not a fucking witch. And again, we've spent the whole movie with her. So we didn't see her do anything nefarious. Like, I was kind of like, is there going to be a big rug pull where you find out she was doing anything? But not really. It's more just like her family has turned on her for existing, uh, which I think is like one of the themes of the movie kind of in a weird way. But she... Again, with like the subtlety of the character, instead of like spending all this time like denying it, she turns the tables on William and she's like, You're a fucking hypocrite. You let your kids take the blame for you. You're a piece of shit. Can't hunt. You can't farm. All you can do is chop wood. Dad's pissed. But he also, eventually, she like starts crying. Just, I'm not a fucking witch. And you know what? Actually, I'm pretty sure the twins are witches because they're making covenants with the the goat, with the devil. I was like, Oh man, this is like, a little bit of a heel turn from Thomason, even though like, I don't know, it's tough because it's like, I don't know whether she believes it or if she's just trying to save her own ass, you know? And again, I love this complexity from the characters where it's like, she's under accusation. The mom already wants her dad. The twins are against her. Dad's starting to believe she's made a deal with the devil, literally. And so she's like, maybe if I blame the twins, maybe he'll believe that. But it's also like, twins have been weird and creepy, so it's like, maybe she does kind of believe it, but it's also like, those are your siblings, you're just throwing them under the bus. Again, it's like, kid shit, like, on a very basic level, uh, like, even though this is a very heightened situation, it just feels like siblings fucking each other over in, like, a kind of a funny way. Uh, It's really interesting, but William, like, walks in, he's like, I know what you and Jonas and Mercy, like, he threatens to kill him, picks up Jonas. It starts to be like, I'm going to take your head off. And Jenny starts screaming, which is like, like again, what I was talking about where I think they were like maybe faking passing out, which is like the fucking twins, these little fucking assholes. So everybody's just like, I, nobody knows what's going on. Their resolution is essentially to lock Thomason, Mercy and Jonas just in the shed with the goats. And the next day, William and like Catherine are going to like, they're all going to like go to town and we're just, they're going to sort it out. But uh, poor Thomason's locked in with Black Phillip and the twins. And she's like, do you really talk to Black Phillip? And the goat's there. And the twins are kind of like, are you a witch? And they're like, are you a witch? And it's very ambiguous. Like, again, like I said, you never really get confirmation one way or the other as far as the witchiness of the twins. Although they seem uh, later in the night when the, the actual witch shows up, it sure seems like they're pretty scared. So I don't know if they... But, you know, like, they talk to Black Phillip so much, and uh, based on the end of the movie, I'm like, Black Phillip does seem to be either literally the devil or at least a minion of the devil, so maybe the, maybe the twins were dirty, I'm not sure, but they're all locked in a room together. Meanwhile, Catherine and William are burying Caleb. Pretty uh, interesting moment where Catherine is just, like, she climbs into the grave with Caleb and is, like, cuddling him, and I was like, they do a good job of like not showing her for a while. I was like, I was like, did William just like say fuck it and bury Catherine with Caleb? Like, I literally thought that's what happened for a while, but we we finally do just see Catherine in bed. William's outside chopping wood because it's the only thing he's good at. <laughs> but he kind of falls to his knees and he's just basically like, great moment for William, uh, in the actor. Obviously, he just like starts crying and praying, and he's just basically like, it's all my fault. We moved out here because of my pride and none of this would have happened. And I just remember watching this being like, I'm simultaneously feeling really bad for you, but also being like, yeah, dude, what the fuck? None of this would have happened if you hadn't been such a proud asshole and just stayed in town. You guys probably had it pretty good. You had glass windows, according to the thing earlier. It's like, what the fuck? But, you know, man, it's just so tough and it's so good with how complex it is because he starts being like, don't take my kids, take me, just take me. And it's like, even though he's like, not sure whether his kids have made deals with devils, he's basically like, no, just 
don't take him. He still loves all of them. It's just like, and again, as far as like metaphors go, it works really well in the sense that it's like, yeah, man, like sometimes you hate your family and sometimes you love them, but you always love them even when you hate them. And it's all like working on that level in, in a way. It's really good. And it makes you empathize. Like for me, I guess at least it really won me over a little bit on William where it's like, just him like crying out to this guy, like, just take me, don't take my family. Even though he literally is like not sure whether his children are responsible for the death of his old other children, he's still like, no, leave them alone. And you're just like, ah, man, William, uh, but doesn't take him, goes back to bed. Catherine has a dream that uh, Samuel, the baby, and Caleb are back. They talk to her, get this bizarre shot where she's like breastfeeding Samuel but then it like cuts to like a crow is like eating away at her boob uh we've seen a lot of animal imagery throughout the film rabbits and crows and ravens and stuff like maybe our witches like taking forms and things like that i also noticed in terms of continuity they kind of have like uh blood on Catherine's like shirt as as the movie goes on so it's like she really was like maybe out there like cackling and getting her boob like just absolutely slashed open by a crow. It seems like maybe Thomason witnesses this too, but at some point in in the shed, the old witch like shows up and like terrorizes them and she's drinking like the goat blood milk thing and it's it's like really chaotic. You don't really it's hard to tell what happens. The next day like William gets out of bed and the shed is just like torn to pieces. Thomason's like passed out on the ground. Twins are missing. Black Phillips loose, unfortunately, <laughs> because he fucking gores William, just gores his ass. And William like gets his axe like he's gonna kill Black Phillip. And then he like kind of gives up on it. And and Black Phillip just knocks him into the, it's like almost comical. <laughs> uh, but he knocks him into the wood gets buried that's that's a wrap on william he's fucking dead thomason sees this go down and she's just like holy shit my all of my siblings are gone my dad just got murdered by a goat what the fuck is happening uh <laughs> and in her uh stupor i guess uh catherine comes out hair down and she just fucking tackles thomason she's like you bitch you slut you took Again, this is what I was talking about earlier. She's like, you took my son, you took my husband. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I mean, it's like, I like understand where Catherine's coming from in the sense that her entire family is dead. It seems reasonable that she has gone insane and she's a little bit crazy. Uh, Unfortunately, she's deciding to take that out on the only remaining family member she has left. Again, you know, I kind of respect Eggers for talking about not specifically having certain themes going into movies because just the way the movies unfold, you're able to draw things from this. So it's like in a situation where it's you and one other person, instead of like banding together, you turn on each other. And I feel like that's very indicative of like a view of humanity. It's sad and dark, but not wholly inaccurate. You know, it's like my whole family is dead except for you. I blame you. It's not me. So it's you. And, you know, they start fighting and it's really sad. Thomason, you know, tells Catherine, like, I love you. Catherine's like beyond crazy at this point. Crazy ass sequence where Thomason just, I don't know specifically what she has in her hand, some kind of garden hoe or something, but, you know, she slashes her mom across the face. Not like lethally, but enough. And then the mom starts. I remember because I was like really paying attention to this moment because I was like, this is a big moment. I need to know like specifically the sequence of events to understand motivations here. Because it's like she slashes the mom kind of just to get her off of her, but not lethally. But then the mom just starts choking her super hard. And so she takes the fucking thing to the mom's head and kills her. But it's like, you know. In terms of like empathy and stuff, it's like very much self defense. So, you know, it's it's just tough. Like, but yeah, you know, you watch Thomason murder her mom. She's 
understandably fucked up by it. Like long sequence, like wide shot where they're just laying there. And then she finally like boots her off of her, grabs a cloak and like lays down for a while. I remember thinking like, oh, this is the end of the movie. Crazy. But the movie's got one more little bit up its sleeve. Thomason goes out to the shed, visits Black Phillip. And she's like, talk to me, Black Phillip. Tell me what the fuck's going on. Long pause where nothing's happening. I just was like, oh, okay, interesting. And finally, you just hear this voice. It's so good. It's so funny and like interesting to, to like go in this direction. But Black Phillip does start talking to her. And he's like, do you see the book? It's like, he's like the devil or whatever. He, he tells her to make like a covenant with her and promises with the world. Like, do you want to see the world? Do you want to live? deliciously uh it, it's good shit she seems to agree to be honest in her position don't super blame her she takes her clothes off wanders into the woods there's all these naked witches just fucking partying and raging by the fire they all rise up into the sky which was nuts uh and then we're on her face she's witnessing it uh we get we get the classic like good for her cinema moment which is where i was like crystallized in in this idea but she starts to smile and she starts to rise up too and that was like the moment where i was like yeah this movie was about breaking free from your family and like embracing yourself and not being oppressed and stuff but it's a lot more complex than that but the ending is very much like i don't know it's like rise up with the, the the people that kill the babies cool like again it's very complex and i really enjoy that and you know i can't stress enough that I literally watched it for the first time less than 24 hours ago. So I don't have all the hottest takes on the film, but I'm just able to express what I was feeling in the moment. And, you know, I just, it was fun. Like I enjoyed the, I really, you know, with a movie that's called the witch, I was worried that it was like driving towards the family, just like burning Anya Taylor joy at the stake or something like that. And that being like the ending of the movie which would have been pretty rough. So I was, I was kind of like happy that the ending was more of like, uh, the whole family's dead and she embraces, embraces, <clears throat> and she embraces like witchcraft and stuff like that. It's like a fun ending. And again, it's very like within the confines of the movie, it makes sense to the text, but on a metaphorical level, it's working on that, like womanhood, puberty, I can be my own person level. You know, I just, I don't know, man. It's just like, the, the humanist aspects of the film, the character interactions, it looks great. I'm not the biggest fan of like the insanely desaturated look. I think you could have popped just a little bit more color, but it's also like, it's a period piece. That's kind of like the vibe of those type of things. It looks great. The lighting and the fire lighting and the flickering. And it's awesome. It, it was a good fucking movie. Uh, like, what do you want me to say? It was a great fucking movie. Uh, Eggers is is good at what he does, even if he can't watch the movie anymore, which is crazy to me. It's like, holy shit, if I made something as good as The Witch, I'd just like go lie in the grave like Catherine and be like, I did it. I'm good. Throw the dirt on me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I remember reading that. I think what really intrigued me about The Witch was I read that The Lighthouse was more like, here's like a look at men and like a toxic masculinity. Uh, the Lighthouse is the masculine movie, and The Witch is the feminine movie. I remember being like, so The Lighthouse didn't really do it for me, but maybe The Witch really will. And I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but it did. And I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I'm happy. It was really good. Is it like the Godfather level good? Uh, hint towards ratings. <laughs> but gosh, I don't know. There is a part of me that almost wants to put it up there, but I think that... I think I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 on the show, which, I mean, I don't know. What are you doing here if you haven't listened to anything else? Uh, skewed rating scale. Uh, gave The Godfather an 8.5. It's a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10 movie for me. Uh, what, what do you want me to say? It's an, it's an 8 out of 10 on the show. I gave it a 4.5 on Letterboxd. Follow my Letterboxd. I'm, a, I'm Jake Ryan Baker. Check me out. You can see all my ratings. My real ratings, and not my weird grade curve show ratings. but. For this, I'm going to give it an eight. An eight. That puts it up there with some good movies. Adaptation. Uh, Mulholland Drive, which should have been higher. But hey, we're not getting into that now. <laughs> but uh, yeah. An eight out of ten. 
let's wrap this up. Recommendations. Hey. Hey there. Guys, you know, out there in... You know, I thought that... Uh, when I did the pump up the volume episode, I, I leaned a little bit too into the, uh, the whoa, what's going on <laughs> with my voice, the Joker. But I realized I could have been more like this. I could have been talking more like this, guys. Happy Harry Hard on here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Recommendations. You know what? I realized, uh, thankfully, from a conversation today that I had, a pretty easy recommendation. That sort of ties into this movie is the movie Thoroughbreds. Have I ever recommended it? I hope not. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, I mean, that's my connection, baby. She is in it. Uh, Thoroughbreds, Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor Joy. I don't know who else is in it. Uh, oh, uh, Anton Yelkin, my boy. But is it a horror, like slow burn movie? No, it is a very slow burn movie, though. It's like these teenagers. It's very complex, and, and you have to pick up on the character details through some of like the subtlety and stuff like that. And it's not a movie that's for everybody, but I love Thoroughbreds. It's kind of I think that's the movie that I really fell in love with Anya Taylor Joy. So, and I don't think I've ever recommended it on the show because I don't even know what I would recommend it in conjunction with. So, Thoroughbreds. Uh, it's just like I don't even want to spoil it. It's just like. I love the way it's shot. It's beautiful. And the characters are just really interesting to me. And I'm sure on some level you could see them as like despicable. But I think like the witch, it's like there is a lot more going on underneath the surface that you can't actually empathize with and understand where they're coming from, even if you don't agree with why. So yeah, Thoroughbreds is going to be my recommendation. Yeah, we're here at the end. Uh, my voice is dying. I'm done. Thankfully. <laughs> I can't believe I made it to the end. Holy shit. Guys, check out my Pump Up the Volume episode for my shitty Christian Slater voice that I was doing. But also, like, my father was a drinker. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, I'm going to put you in a place. <laughs> I'm getting silly. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the end of the episode. The Witch. I talked about it. I waxed poetic on it. I recommended Thoroughbreds. Where can you find me? Jake Ryan Baker almost everywhere. Jake Baker. Clear attendant classics. Facebook page. Jake Ryan Baker on Instagram. Jake Ryan Baker on YouTube. Uh, Clear attendant classics. Gmail. Hit me up. I love you. You're the best. Literally, if you're hearing these literal words right now, you're the best person on the planet. And I hope you have a fucking great day, a great night, great evening, a great life. You deserve it. And I will catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Bye, guys.